Now bow your heads with me as we pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you that your presence here, your Holy Spirit at work in us, is is an encouragement to us to seek your face and in finding you to follow you. And in following you, discover just exactly why we are here on earth. So in your mercy, Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus... And set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Now take uh, the service sheet, find page six. And that will bring you to the scripture reading of this morning. Romans chapter 12, first three verses. And uh, across the page you'll see a place where you might make notes or other references. We are looking at purpose number one for which God created us. To give him pleasure. From our vantage point, what that looks like is what we call worship. Now, worship is not just turning up in church, and that will become very evident as we look at this passage. But all of us were made to worship. It's an interesting thought that Jesus speaking, this is in John's chapter 4, speaking to a broken-hearted, broken woman who had been through five different husbands. If you can imagine that, ladies... You're here trying to survive one, many of you. She had been through five and was living with a man, not her husband. And she got into a conversation with Jesus. And part of that conversation, Jesus spoke these words and says that God seeks us, those of us, who will worship him in spirit and in truth. That God is looking for men and women to worship him in spirit and in truth. Now here she is in her state. A whole complex set of personal issues, both moral, emotional, in terms of who she was, her identity, her reputation in that small town. And here is Jesus speaking about the need for worship, and God seeking such to worship him who will worship him in spirit and in truth. The word worship literally is made up of the words worth and ship, worthship. Telling God his worth, showing God his worth, living in his presence, projecting out and about and around us, how worthy he is. And we do that given the way we live. 
Worship is a lifestyle. Now, God has hardwired us to worship. You know, just as hunger tells you you need food, just as thirst tells you you need drink, just as the need for love, the longing, the aching for love, tells you that that's what you were made for, intimate personal relationships. So God has hardwired us, everyone, everyone, to worship and to worship him. But if we will not worship him, if we choose not to worship him, we will worship. We will find someone or something some purpose in our lives to which we will devote ourselves worshipfully. Some of us are addicted to beauty. We worship beauty. That may be beauty in creation. It may be having beautiful bodies. It may be putting together a beautiful home having a beautiful garden. We will worship. Some are drawn to worship power. Whether it's the power of position or the power of wealth or the power of influence. We will worship. There is a sense in which that is such a good and healthy thing because God has made us to worship, but the ultimate act of worship is God himself who is the creator of everything, the God who created us with our five senses to be able to taste, to be able to hear, to be able to see, to feel, and with brains and minds where we can collect the history of our lives, our experience, and in our mind focus on where on earth that is leading us. Because none of us is living in a vacuum. There are all kinds of influences coming at us. And in amongst it all, God is drawing us out to himself to adore him. Today, we live in an age where everybody is debunking anybody of any influence. It's a sad thing. It's as if our media is intent on bringing everyone down, whether it's an athlete, whether it's a politician, whether it's a preacher. Constant barrage of criticism, of belittling. And it's been going on for decades. Some of you will remember and even today enjoy the singing of Simon and Garfunkel. In one of their lyrics about God bless you please Mrs. Robinson, 
is this line. Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? Some of you haven't a clue who Joe DiMaggio is. But he was an absolutely brilliant baseball player. At one point, he got himself married to Marian, Marilyn Monroe. I don't know how on earth that happened. It certainly didn't work out. But where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? He was such a superstar that everybody in his day knew his name. And Simon and Garfunkel, talking about, in song, this breaking down of our, our heroes, diminishing them, belittling them, destroying them, said, where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio, a lonely nation, turns its eyes to you. In other words, there is that longing and looking for a hero. Someone to admire. The ultimate expression of that longing and desire is God himself. And sad to say, because of sin we make idols of all sorts of other things and put them in God's place. So we will worship. We'll find someone or something to worship. But God has made us, ultimately, to worship him. So when you look at this first verse, Romans chapter 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, giving pleasure in so doing, this is your spiritual act of worship. There is another translation that says this is your reasonable act of worship. And what they're trying to convey is that this is a rational response of worship and it's a spiritual act of response of worship to the mercies of God. Look at the text again. I urge you, brother, in view of God's mercy, which Paul has been speaking about in this epistle to the Romans, in view of that, in the light of that, in the presence of that mercy, as you take it into consideration, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. To be pleasing God with your spiritual act of worship. And that is to offer him your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now we'll come to that in just a moment. The rationale, the rationale that the scriptures give here for us laying down our lives in God's service and giving them as a living sacrifice is... God's mercy to us. 
Now, there is much that we are, and we've been speaking of it, much that we are drawn out to, to worship in the world around us. For the last four winters, my wife and I have been living in Key Largo, just in the winters. Thank you, Lord. Just in the winters. And each morning, we would have our quiet time out on this screen porch facing east. And we would watch the sun first lighten the sky, bring orange clouds into focus, and then appear above the earth and rise out of the ocean morning by morning. What a sight. I sat there in awe and wonder that the sun has been burning for all these years and hasn't gone out. Does that ever strike you as a wonder? And day after day, it would rise and light up the beauty of our surroundings. Others have watched that same sunrise from the foot of or in the heart of the bottom of the Grand Canyon and see the sunrise and the shadows pass across the canyon. To come up to the edge of that canyon is awe-inspiring. Over the years, we have taken groups of people out to Colorado For a couple of years in a row, we took our whole parish out, as many as could go. And that would be like a hundred or so people who would either fly or drive. It would be their great trip west. And we'd spend a week together in the Rockies. We started where we were staying, the resort, a young life camp or It wasn't exactly camping, I can tell you. At 9,000 feet. And then to look up at the Princeton and other collegiate peaks, 14,000, and to climb them and then look down from them. People were absolutely awestruck. Great place to have a spiritual environment and time together. But what we were discovering there was something more majestic, more marvelous than the creation. The wonder of it, the weightiness of it, the awe-inspiring presence of it, something more wonderful than that. We were considering together, day by day, the mercies of the living God. Because the most magnificent act in creation, beyond all the magnificence that we behold, and in view of that, says Paul, the mercies of God, the only fitting response is to give yourself to him. That that almighty God, that creator, should become a human being, 
born of woman as a baby, the baby Jesus. Live a perfect life amongst us. Spend three years of doing, this is hard for me to conceive of as a minister, three years of perfect ministry. Whenever he spoke, he spoke absolute truth. And he said it in just the right way to the people to whom he was addressing, just the right force, with just the right illustrations, just the right intention. He knew their hearts, he knew their minds. His teaching from those human lips, which today we read of in the Gospels, that he would be able to touch a blind man and recreate his sight with a touch. Raise the dead with a spoken word. That same all-powerful, almighty, spectacularly perfect God laid down his life on the cross. How can it be? Charles Wesley writes, how can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood. Died he for me who caused him pain, for me who him to death pursued. How can that be? And in view of the mercies of God, says the scripture right here, to offer ourselves back to him. You have been wonderfully and marvelously loved and still are as that same Lord Jesus who laid down his life for you. He who knew no sin made sin with your sin and my sin and the sin of this world made sin for us. That is, bearing it all, dying as if he was the ultimate sinner going to hell and paying the price of our sin, being separated from his Father, in anguish crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the light of the mercy of God, offer yourselves as living sacrifices. The ultimate presentation of God himself in human form And in that, God's mercy in Christ Jesus. And just as Jesus gave his body in death, so we are asked, yea, nay, urged. I urge you. This is not just a good idea or a good psychological advantage to screwed up people. This is an urging. I urge you. Paul had no qualms about bringing the force of God's word, the force of God's truth, listen to me carefully, the force of God's presence, 
the force of God's love, the force of the truth of his word, to bring it to people's attention, not as an educational operation, but as a passionate, forceful urging. With urgency. Listen to these words from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where Paul again is speaking about, right here in Holy Scripture, this overwhelming mercy of God. And as he speaks about it, he says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. God appealing. God making an appeal through his ambassador Paul. Urging, making an appeal. It goes on to say this. Making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf. We implore you. This is almost as if on bended knee saying, we are urging you. We're imploring you. We are bringing the force of God's mercy and truth and his love through our lips, our ambassadorship, our presence to you as if God himself were making the appeal. That is some sense of urgency. When you get to chapter 6, which actually flows right out of this, he says, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. A stream of passion in the light of God's mercy, as if God were pleading out of the mouth, the passion of Paul, of this word here, through me now preaching to you, his little ambassador for Christ, urging you, imploring you, in the light of the mercies of God, to offer yourself back to him, as he laid down his life for you in Christ, for you to lay down your life for him. Amazingly, he doesn't offer you to, he doesn't ask you rather, implore you, urge you to lay down your life as a sacrifice in death, but as a living sacrifice. A friend of mine by the name of Jill Briscoe, tremendous woman, great teacher, used to say this, the trouble with a living sacrifice is it's always trying to crawl off the altar. So we give ourselves to the Lord and then we backtrack. We start fudging the issues. Being more concerned about ourselves than him. To offer our bodies is to offer our whole self to surrender to him all that we are and all that we have. To see that all that we are and all that we have is used for him. So worship 
It's not just singing hymns, though that's an act of worship. This is corporate worship. But it's taking our gifts and our skills, whether there is our voice, our ability to play instruments, our musicality, our intellect, our athletic ability, these bodies in which we dwell and live, we give to him with all our powers of influence, our lips, take my lips and may they sing ever only of my king. That great hymn of consecration by Francis Ridley Havergal. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Fill them, Lord, with ceaseless praise. Take my silver and my gold. Not a mite would I, I withhold. It's all yours. I give it to you, Lord. Friday, we had a beautiful wedding here. Magnificent. Would have been great if they had just left all the beautiful lace along the, uh, the, the, the pews here for us to enjoy. It was gorgeous. Flowers, lovely couple, love Jesus. Friday afternoon, giving themselves to each other in holy matrimony. The present service which we use here is, David, I give you this ring as a symbol of my vow. With all that I am and all that I have, I honor you. David had already said to Sarah, Sarah, I give you this ring. With all that I am, with all that I have, I honor you. And that in the context of for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. What does that sound like to you? If you've given all that you are and all that you have... What have you got left? And I'm saying to them, if you want a really great marriage, I ask all my couples this. If you want a really great marriage, you want to do it God's way. And God's way is, for you, and I speak to the man directly, specifically, the scripture says, that he is to lay down his life for his wife in the same way Christ laid down his life for him. And in the same way the wife is to surrender to the husband, in the same way that we are so to surrender to Christ. And marriage, in Ephesians chapter 5, becomes a picture of our relationship to God. With all that I am and all that I have, I honor you. And we surrender ourselves, lay down our lives for each other. Have you ever seriously said anything like that to God? 
to give it all to him. Your talent. We are neck deep. We're not neck deep. We are submerged in talent in this church. I'm looking at it right here. Is your talent God's? Take time. Look at time. Is your time God's time? So that when you go to work, you're there for the Lord. We were addressing this on the Labor Day weekend here. That we serve in our work, not as men pleasers, but as unto the Lord, doing it for Him. Worshipping Him. Showing His worth in our lives. And amazingly, when we do that, look at what it describes. This is a spiritual act of worship. So it goes on to say this, verse 2, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And as an expression of the sacrifice of giving ourselves wholly to God, Paul, understanding the pressure of a culture around us, says, do not be conformed to this world. How we worship this world's opinions. How we play the game of this world's fashion. Talk this world's language. Live for this world's ideals. Surrender our minds to the popular culture and ideas. We become conformed, shaped by it. J.B. Phillips' translation of this is, do not let the world press you into its mold. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind, your control center. So you give your mind to God, to the things of God, to the word and truth of God. That's what I'm speaking from here. It's amazing how much is condensed in just these few verses. Not to be conformed to worship this world, but to worship the world of Almighty God, the truth of Almighty God, by being transformed by Him, by His Word, His truth, His presence in our lives, to be transformed, to give your mind, your thinking, your daydreaming, your entrepreneurial perceptions. How are you going to take all the talent that you have and who you are and use it for the Lord Jesus? That's why we encourage you to be in God's word daily. Get a hold of that book, What on Earth Am I Here For? Take your mind and put it to work. Too many of us have got lazy minds. We're into entertainment. We're into whatever the latest game is on a handheld computer. The latest novel, the latest drama. Give yourself 
Surrender your bodies, all that you have and all that you are. Don't let the world shape you, press you into its mold, but be transformed, made new, recreated, intellectually, spiritually, by God's word of truth. You be transformational as you are transformed. And amazingly, out of all this, we get the blessing. You want to discover who you really are and all that God's given to you to do, give yourself to him. Looking inside doesn't do it. Self-determination, self-actualization, all the cliches of modern pop psychology don't get you the vision of who God has made you to be, your real identity. I want to close with these words of C.S. Lewis. He said this, the more we let God take us over, the more truly ourselves we become because he made us. He invented all the different people that you and I were intended to be. It is when I turn to Christ and I give myself to his personality that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. Do you want to be someone? Then be the someone that God made you to be by giving yourself to him. Let's bow our heads and pray. Well, Lord Jesus, what a miracle. What a miracle you are to us. What a miracle of your love we have considered. And a miracle of your mercy that you would even receive us, that we can give ourselves to you, that you want us, that we have the opportunity, that you haven't discarded us, that you are urging us, imploring us, drawing us to give ourselves back to you. Thank you for the price you paid that we might do that. And give us the grace right now, Lord Jesus, to say... Lord, here am I. Take me. Use me. Fill me. Send me. I am yours. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.